Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD, where I retired as a sergeant out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And with me tonight is my co-host, retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing, Phil? Pretty good, Billy. Pretty good. How about you? Good. I mean, sort of a nasty little day, right? But as long as you didn't have to be out on the road in the traffic and stuff, you know, does the weather really matter? Right, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. I guess it could change your mood a little bit. But, you know, uh, tomorrow uh, we have a very interesting show. We have a uh, five-time Emmy Award-winning writer, uh, and actually a police beat writer, and her name is Michelle McPhee. She was the chief crime writer for the Daily News in 2001 when 9-11 hit. So we're really looking forward to having her on the show. In fact, she... Um, She's going to comment on uh, the Murdoch cases, uh, the Murdoch case and the Gabby Petito case. There she is there. Um, she's a, a true crime author, five-time Emmy-nominated television investigative producer in Boston for ABC News, award-winning columnist, contributing editor to Newsweek and writer for Boston and LA magazine. She wrote episode five of Showtime City on a Hill in season one and continues to consult for season two while writing for her First HBO pilot, The Beast, based on her reporting contained in an upcoming book about the MS-13 street gang. So she's got some pretty damn good credentials, and I'll I'll be really looking forward to seeing what she has to say uh, specifically about the Murdoch case, which for a writer would be like writing gold to write that story. Absolutely. I mean, uh, she's got some resume, Bill. Screenwriter, best-selling true crime author, five-time Emmy, as you said. Uh, she was a uh, crime uh, reporter for the Daily News for about 10 years. And uh, she was involved. One of her books was uh, uh, the, the story Mob Over Miami. There, uh, I think uh, you oh, that, got No, that's not that. But yeah, she, had, right. she did write Mob Over Miami also. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. And she, she wrote a book um, about the... Uh, Remember this guy, the Craigslist killer? Sure, sure. He would have became a serial killer if not for modern-day technology, which um, spotted him on video going out of the hotel where he just murdered somebody. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. She, she's written some amazing stuff. She's also written um, uh, extensively on the Boston Marathon bombers, the Zarnayev brothers, sure. Zokar and Tamerlan Zarnayev, which I am sort of um, – enamored with i'm really enamored with that case because i always wanted to know from a police perspective uh because it was such a huge case how did the boston police and the fbi get along during that investigation i would love to know what Mm. was going on because look boston's no little uh, mayberry rfd no they're a major city police department they have major cops they have major egos they know what they're doing they're crime fighters and the FBI coming in and saying, all right, guys, well, I, that's not going to fly in Boston. Like that wouldn't fly in New York either. You know, yeah. so I'd be interested to know. And she has a book specifically about that. And I'm dying to read it. It's actually called Maximum Harm. And I got to talk to her uh, when she comes on tomorrow. I'm going to have her send me a copy. OTA, as cops <laughs> like it, you know. that's right that's an interesting point though bill because i never really thought about that and i know i i've run into a boston cop or two and then we had bill bratton was the police commissioner who was obviously a a boston cop and uh 
you know, I can't see a guy like, let's say, Bratton saying, yeah, sure, FBI. Here's everything we got. Whatever you want to do. No, that ain't well, even, though, even the chief at the time, he was a he was a big guy. You could see he knew yeah. his shit. And I can't see him say, yeah, FBI, come in my city and take it over. That's not, it wasn't going to happen, you know? Well, if, if she, you think about it, if you go back to those press conferences, he he really commanded the press conferences for the most part from beginning to end. So I don't think they really let too much grip go on that case with the FBI. But listen, the FBI had a place in that, obviously. And uh, it's okay that they're working together. But we know from past experience, uh, you know, being on the job that they like to be, uh, you know, they shoulder you out and uh, they like to take over everything. They'll take all your information. They don't like to give you much, but uh, hopefully that wasn't the case in that case. But yeah, that's a good point. To, well, to well I, I saw her, I saw her on a, um, uh, she was being interviewed on like a talk show and she sort of implied that the FBI knew exactly who uh, Tamerlan and Zokar of were. Yeah. But they didn't share it. And, you know, it took days. Sana Elise Hulf Johnson. And okay, $9 super sticker. Thank you so much. Where are you from? That's some name you got there. Sana Elise Hulf Johnson. That sounds Scandinavian. But thank you so much for the $9 super, uh, super sticker. That's great. Thank you. Uh, the other thing, you know, is like how, you know, if they knew about the, the Zonaev brothers, and then the pictures were shared, and they were actually identified through social media, through using facial recognition uh, recognition technology, which there's a lot of controversy with these days. I don't know why these civil libertarians make a controversy out of everything, but that was that's what got them identified. And another thing for all you New Yorkers, I don't know if you know this, but when they shot it out with the Manchester police, another po little police department that... They had the balls of a lion, those guys. They shot it out with the Zarnayev brothers, killed the elder uh, Zarnayev brother. I believe his name was Tamerlan. I believe Tamerlan. that was the older brother. And they killed him by running him over with a car and shooting him. Well, the, the younger brother ran him over. But they were they were actually throwing bombs at these cops, Yeah, homemade bombs. In, in you, the pursuit leading up to the shooting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and for you folks that live in New York, they were on their way to Times Square. So if those cops from Manchester – didn't win that gunfight, they were coming to New York, those two brothers, to do damage in Times Square. And Hello, Julian Jackson from the UK. I love the people from the UK, Scott Inquirer, Tennessee. How you guys all doing? So we got some a little information, new information on the um, Murdoch case. And as we follow this case, it gets dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. And it's just, I, I got to show you this video because it's like it's, you almost don't believe that this is going on in this case. But uh, let, let me put it up on the screen. We'll share it, and then we'll comment on it. Um, as I said, it's, ju it's just it's just incredible. Real quick on that, Don, the Sonea brothers. Had they made it to Times Square, think about it, Billy. One of those uh, pressure cooker bombs going off in Times Square any night of the week, thousands of people could have really been maximum casualties there and injuries as well. 100%. This is uh, has to do with Gloria Satterfield, who was um, the Murdoch's, uh, Alec Murdoch's housekeeper. So I'm going to play this here. I wonder if um, the investigation on that is still open. I guess we'll get into that.
Still working on it, Bill. You're not hearing the sound? No. And not seeing the picture either. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That's yeah. Oh, there we go. Murdoch filed insurance claims. Let me let me just run it back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, run it back because we didn't get any of it, Bill. You're not even hearing the sound? We have new information. Now, yes. Alex okay. Murdoch. Okay. A settlement has been reached tonight. The attorney for Gloria Satterfield's family says her family will be paid the money they're owed for her death. Gloria Satterfield, as we've been telling you about, was Murdoch's longtime housekeeper who died on that property. Just this week in a sit-down interview, the Satterfield family attorney, Eric Blanche, says she died after the family dogs got under her feet, causing her to fall from the outside staircase. Attorney Bland helped her sons receive the $4.3 million they were originally owed but never received. That's because Bland told us Alex Murdoch filed insurance claims in regards to Gloria's death, but then embezzled the money owed to her sons, creating a fake bank account at Bank of America and stealing the millions intended for her boys. The settlement tonight shows Gloria's family will receive the money after Bland and Alex's attorney, Corey Fleming, reached a settlement. Bland adds that they will release a joint statement from Fleming, his law firm, and Gloria's family later this week. Can you believe that? Can you believe what he did? He established a separate bank account in their name and put the money from the lawsuit in there with the, intending to steal it. 100%. Obviously, you'll see uh, criminal charges uh, developing out of that situation. He, in, they, the, the reporter used the word embezzlement. So we embezzled the money. There's going to be a whole host of charges, I'm sure, related to that. But it's very... Uh, very suspicious how, based on all the recent facts with Alex Murdoch, with the double homicide of his uh, wife and his son, as well as all the other things that came to light recently with the self-inflicted shooting with his cousin and all of that, that now all of a sudden this is going to be paid to the family, which I am very happy about. But my point is this. Had these new developments and facts and all this other stuff, if his, his world didn't turn upside down, Alec Murdoch, that is, uh, would these people have ever seen five cents of that money? I have a suspicion that maybe they wouldn't have. No, I don't think they would have. My other question is, how about the other law firm? What were they doing? The law firm that was representing the the, the sons of Gloria Satterfield, what were they doing? Well, wasn't it actually uh, one of, uh, I think it was Murdoch's brother, who also worked at his firm that originally uh, offered to, oh, that was in the Smith. I'm, I'm mixing it up with the Smith case that they offered to uh, represent them. But yeah, there had to be uh, collusion going on on both sides of that thing. If they had an attorney and the, and the Murdochs uh, represented uh, someone somewhere in that and then they embezzled the money. Yeah. How did that, uh, I mean, you know, if, if my attorney says, okay, we settled the case, you'll be getting the money in 30 days and I don't get it. I'm going to be calling my attorney to complain about it. What was their role in it? Uh, so I'd really like to see a deep investigation into the whole thing, see where this this whole thing led. Uh, thank God they're getting the money that's deserved to them. They lost their mother. And then I'm wondering if there's actual uh, investigation going on into the cause of death on this uh, on this woman since there, as we know, there was no autopsy done and uh, specific things that were done in that case uh, were very fishy. So I, I, I'm sure they're looking into it. Let's see. What well, th about. this thing stinks from the head to the tail, as they say in the fishing industry, you know, of course, of course. <laughs> it's, it's fish rots from the head down, as they say. And uh, you know, it, 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 I have a good suspicion that there's going to be a lot of other things that are going to 
uh, bubble up to the surface regarding this Alec Murdoch. I can't see that the things that we know about this three or four or five bodies and three or four different things that uh, I, there's going to be other stuff when they do the deep dive, I'm sure. 100%. Let me just give this a quick play. Multi-million dollar settlement reached in the death of former Murdoch housekeeper Gloria Satterfield. The law firm representing the estate of Gloria Satterfield says attorney Corey Fleming, along with his firm Moss, Cunin Fleming and their insurance carrier, agreed to pay back $4.3 million to the Satterfield boys. You may remember Satterfield died in a reported trip and fall accident at the Murdoch's property back in 2018. Blanche Richter, LLP, the law firm representing Satterfield's estate, claimed Alec Murdoch told Satterfield's sons they would receive money for their mother's wrongful death, but... They never received a dime. According to Blanche Richter LLP, Mr. Fleming and his law firm claim that they, like others, were the victims of Alec Murdoch's, quote, fraudulent scheme. We spoke to a legal analyst about all this. She says it's shocking any of this happened in the first place, and she expects more details to come out in the near future. I think this is one brick in many bricks that will make up an entire wall eventually. We don't know what will unfold, but I think this is the beginning of um, a lot to be uncovered. We're told a more comprehensive joint statement from Mr. Fleming, his firm, and the Satterfield estate will be issued later this week. I think Mr. Fleming better have his own attorney there because uh, it sounds like all these lawyers are in collusion. And the other thing, how about the judge? How about the judge saying, Guess what, Mr. Fleming? You you are owed nothing for your legal advice, your legal representation, because it sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would love to see that for sure, Billy. And I think what's going on here is, you know, there's a lot of CYA, cover your ass, going on. Uh, suddenly this money's being paid out. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, nobody wants an investigation into you know, because of one case, maybe 500 other cases or into their firm or whatever. So they're, they're probably, you know, looking to, to cut losses here. And uh, as we saw when uh, when Murdoch shot himself or, or had his cousin shoot him, whatever happened there, we don't even know the real de details of that. We saw a lot of cut and run uh, from his own firm where they threw him under the bus and said they didn't approve. His own brother made the statement. He didn't approve of, uh, you know, the uh, the the uh, the privilege between a client and an attorney that was uh, compromised by him and, you know, the, uh, the the stealing of the money, the inappropriate funds. So, you know, there's, there's so much here. And I, I earlier mistook when I was talking about the Smith case, which is another, uh, it was allegedly a hit and run, probably a homicide investigation that's going on uh, related to uh, Alec Murdoch. So there's, there's just so many details in this case. And as the days goes on, it's just more and more stuff seems to be bubbling to the surface and uncovered. It's it's you know it's just almost too much to uh, to digest. I'm gonna sh I'm gonna play a real short video now of uh, his relative. And this is the guy who actually um, allegedly shot him. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, this is great. I consider you one of my best friends. Feel like a brother to me. That so-called brother is Alec Murdoch. South Carolina authorities say he asked Curtis Smith to shoot and kill him September 4th. The plan, according to SLED, to help Murdoch's surviving son Buster collect a $10 million life insurance policy. <laughs> but it didn't work. Instead, Murdoch told SLED what happened, so they arrested both of them. But where's the connection between the two? 
Through court records, we found out Murdoch represented Smith in a personal injury lawsuit back in 2010. Had to have three discs removed at the back and got rods and screws in every place of them. It's not fun. Smith says injuries from a logging accident left him permanently disabled. Talk to me about the pain. Uh, it's, it's an everyday thing. I mean, it's every day. I know it's there all day long. Court documents indicate Smith took Oxycontin for that pain. But fast forward to this month. Authorities charged Smith with distribution of meth and possession of marijuana, a drug parallel to what unfolded during Murdoch's bond hearing. If anyone uh, wants to see the face of what opioid addiction does, you're looking at it. In the days after the shooting, Murdoch said he checked himself into rehab for substance abuse. Is Alex somebody that you cared about? Yeah, I say like a brother to me. I'd have done anything well for him, almost anyway. It just is it's crushing to know that, that it didn't got me nothing, nobody, especially him. Curtis says he feels betrayed. Do you see the truth out there? Do you do you see the truth coming forward in this case? I hope that when it's all said and done, that everybody will wind up being exactly what it's supposed to be. You know, un unbelievable. Like, you know, you can't make this up, you know. This guy is hired to shoot Alec Murdoch. He doesn't do a very good shot. He allegedly grazes him. Alec Murdoch gets in someone's car, no one knows who, then calls a helicopter to pick him up, brings him to a hospital in Georgia. No one knows where he is, including his attorney. Uh, just not believable. And, of course, the double homicide of his wife, uh, Maggie, and his son, Paul, where he is the one who discovers them. Uh, at 10:07 p.m. on the night June 7, the night of June 7th, that seems that gives this incident gives more credence to the fact. How do we know he didn't hire someone to shoot them? He likes 10 million. He wanted 10 million in the insurance policy. He's known to steal from insurance companies. He just proved that from this other thing. You know, Bill, when you were talking about the helicopter and the, uh, is this James Bond or Alec Murdoch? Because it sounds <laughs> yeah. like a James Bond story to me. But uh, going back to uh, the guy that allegedly shot him, I don't even know if that uh, is true. And the reason I say that is this, you know, there's an old saying, uh, and I'm not going to apply it to somebody that's in recovery, but there's an old saying that how do you know when a drug addict or a junkie is lying? And the saying goes, when they're moving their lips, meaning no, no truth comes out of their mouth. You know, when you're a drug addicted and you're, I'm not talking about a, a you know, a weekend, uh, you know, casual use. I'm talking somebody that's addicted to drugs. That guy looks like he is. He admitted to being on all these painkillers and stuff, maybe uh, methamphetamine or whatever. So uh, there's no truth in them. They're, they're alive. You know, everything that comes out of their mouth is a, is a lie. So uh, I don't know how much they uh, checked on his story that the two of them uh, you know, they conspired to have this, uh, you know, shoot me to kill me so my son can collect the 10 million. I ain't buying it. I think it was a, a distraction. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, just that the surface sounds like baloney to me. I agree. Uh, Search and Rescue Canine Mom, thank you so much for joining, becoming a member of uh, the Police Off the Cuff on our YouTube. Any of you folks that are in the chat right now, if you're not subscribed to Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. 
If you guys haven't noticed, uh, Facebook is down today. Uh, coincidentally, a, a whistleblower was on 60 Minutes last night. I don't know if you watched it, blowing the whistle on Facebook on how they know that some of the things they do damages the youth of this country and puts them in danger on Instagram and all this other stuff. But because it makes them so much money, they simply don't care. And so then coincidentally today, I don't know if they got a cyber attack or if they purposely shut down, but it doesn't seem so coincidental that they're down today. Yeah, it is. Uh, something's tied into that. It's, uh, we discussed it before we went on the air, either, like you said, a cyber attack, an outside cyber attack, or uh, I just, you know, I, I feel suspicious of the whole thing. Maybe it was a, a self-imposed shutdown, maybe, you know, to get people to uh, rally for the return of Facebook, since they're going to be facing some uh, obvious criticism based on what this uh, whistleblower stated on 60 Minutes. I actually caught a little bit of it. Uh, you know, they knowingly, uh, studies showed that, uh, knowingly, uh, it was going to be addictive to teens, uh, specifically young girls, and, uh, that it was going to be, uh, detrimental to their feelings about themselves and that it actually encouraged more viewership of, uh, it addicted them more to the Facebook, uh, whole, uh, the, you know, the whole Facebook thing, as well as, uh, the other sites that they, they, uh, control and they're on. So, uh, yeah, I guess that, that was, uh, kind of breaking news yesterday. Today, the site is down. Who knows what it is? I guess we'll hear some uh, some like, stories. I guess we'll, I guess we'll just have to live our life without Facebook for a day. <laughs> I think we could yeah. do it. I, I yeah. think we could make yeah. it. Yeah. Folks, uh, you know, to, as we're talking, this is more we're trying to promote tomorrow night's show at 9 p.m. We have great writer Michelle McPhee, who's written uh, over nine novels. She's been a crime reporter for the Daily News in New York City during 9-11. She wrote the book on the Zarnayev brothers uh, about the attacks, uh, the Boston Marathon attacks, where, God, people lost their legs. I think at least three people were killed. Uh, I wanted to know, because she implied being on a talk show, that the FBI knew some things earlier that they didn't share. I would love to know how the FBI and the Boston police, whether they played well together in the sandbox, as they say. The Sanayev brothers were definitely on the radar screen, Bill. That was revealed after during investigation. Yes, they knew about them. So then, yeah. but why didn't it, did it take so long? And they, she also know, knew the guy who made the bomb. And apparently I watched her on a talk show. She said he went uh, EDP and they put him in like a psych hospital for two years. So something's not right there. Is that you know? the guy that helped them to uh, assemble the bomb you're talking yes, about? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I believe they use fireworks, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to to uh, to uh, assemble the bomb with the pressure cookers, if I'm not mistaken on that. Look at look at this. Uh, Raul Thomas, Sammy Gravano mentioned police off the cuff on his live today. Oh my God! Look, Thanks, not Sammy. only not only are we great cops, but we're in with the we're in with the wise guys too. You know. <laughs> Yeah, on a, on a yeah. friendly basis, though we're not involved in crime whatsoever. Well, Let's keep it that way on a friendly basis. Cops, that's right. But, you know, mutual mutual respect. We got a little heat from some areas interviewing Sammy, but I do it again because I thought it was an unbelievable interview and I thought we uncovered a lot of good stuff and we didn't glorify uh, him being a gangster. I think, we did a, I think we did a pretty good job. But uh, anyway, let's go to the Gabby Petito case. We're not going to stay yeah. on very long today, maybe 35 minutes. Is there anything new, Phil? Well, uh, there was some 
alleged sighting over the weekend, I believe yesterday, uh, in the area not far from where he was last seen. I don't know if it's confirmed. They believe uh, supposedly a hiker saw him or something to that effect. I did hear a, a quick blurb on the news. I don't know if that's even accurate. We're going to look into that. It, you know, there's been so many things. Dog the Bounty Hunter claimed to have found uh, a campsite that uh, some items were covered that I believe he was going to turn over to the FBI to see if there was fingerprints matching uh, Brian Laundry. But uh, there's really nothing earth shattering, uh, you know, so to speak. I mean, uh, he hasn't been, you know, found. He's not in police custody. Uh, there was protests over the weekend at his house where people were screaming in front of the house. I saw several news reports. Uh, I don't know if the family, the, the reporter that, uh, that I saw said they weren't sure if, uh, the, uh, the family, if the laundries were even home during that protest. And again, uh, I talked about, uh, you know, John Walsh had referred to them in a, in a negative way. I'm not going to use that term anymore. Joe, Murray the other day when we were on on Friday made a very good point. We're professional. My emotion just got a little caught up in it because I I really object to what the laundries did regarding not uh, making some type of communication to Gabby's parents when they reached out when she was first missing and unaccounted for. Um, the emotions got the best of me. Joe's right. We are professional. I'm going to refrain from using uh, negative terminology towards them. I still have some negative uh, thoughts towards Brian for what uh, what we believe may have done to Gabby, but uh, we'll try and just remain professional and uh, take that posture. And I think that is the best thing to do. It's you know, just Phil, this case is so I, emotional, and you know it's it's international. Everybody's you know you look at Gabby; she's just a, a sweet little, beautiful young lady, uh, full of life and vibrant. And you saw her at such a you know, uh, when she was emotional during that stop, you saw her at a time when she was vulnerable, so to speak. So I think that's what made us all fall in love with her. And uh, my uh, my anger towards the family, I let it get the best of me. And uh, I'm just going to refrain from that. Phil, I, I forgive you. You're absolved in the name of the... <laughs> I do absolve you. I know you're Catholic. I'll throw some uh, holy water at you the next time I see you. I don't mean to goof on religion. I'm Catholic myself. Angela Eng, I was just at lunch with Joe and Irma. She needs to be on your show again. We're going to bring Irma yes. back very soon. She's I love Irma, and a lot of people have been asking for Irma. Uh, a Brit here, I would love it if you could explain some of these mob sayings, like wise guy and being oh. made. Go ahead, Phil. Phil, this is your area. Go ahead. All right. Well, a wise guy could be somebody in the neighborhood that's obviously an underworld figure. And you kind of know who they are, the way they walk, where they hang out, the respect they get in the street. Being made is actually being inducted into the mafia, La Cosa Nostra. There's an actual ceremony that would take place. You have to be, uh, uh, someone has to proposition you to be a made member. They have a thing, they call it opening the books where they, they're going to take new members in and somebody proposes you. That was the word I was looking for. So someone has to propose you. So a guy like me is involved in uh, organized crime and I want to get made. I go to someone who's an active made guy, uh, show my interest in being a, a proposed member. And then they actually do like a survey with all the other families involved in the five families. And they throw your name out there that anybody has an objection to this guy being made in the mob. Mafia. So it's a little bit of a process. And at the end of the day, when everything's approved, they have a ceremony. Uh, there's been, you know, uh, 
on TV you saw some uh, dramatic uh, renderings of what a mob ceremony, uh, an induction ceremony looks like where they spill blood and they burn a, a little piece of paper with a saint and stuff like that. So there's an actual ceremony. Many people have talked about it. If we have Sammy the Bull on again sometime in the future, we could ask him about that, which I believe we're going to try and get him on again. So uh, that's just those two. There's, there's many more sayings. There's, there's but, so uh, many mob sayings. Yeah. Grizzly books, Gisela. Thank you so much. I don't know when you sleep, Gisela, because I know it's probably early in the morning for you right now, four or five. I don't know exactly uh, the, the time it is. How does she have time to even be watching our show? She's always doing I, I, I don't know. She's always putting out a show. She's She's but gone God from zero. She's a good girl. She's gone from zero to 27,000 subscribers in no time. Man. Yeah. I wish she, I was I was as cute as her. Maybe I'd have more success, you know. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Bill, if you look like her, there would be a little more appeal, definitely. But real quick, when I did her show about a, I guess about a month ago, maybe a little more, I sent her an email. I said, "Thanks for having me on." I said, "You are a force to be reckoned with in this podcast business." And within a couple of weeks, and uh, not that I had some divine knowledge or anything, but it was just I could see her professionalism. She works hard at it. God bless her. She did. Well, good you know, that. Phil, she's even used cop military time. She said it's zero zero twenty eight, which is uh, almost almost 30 minutes after I'm midnight. Well, that's she was a uh, she was an airline pilot. So that's, that's right. That's right. That's, um, from, that's unbelievable. Yeah. She's got a lot pilot. of accomplishment, that young lady. And uh, I knew when I when I when I did her show, the way she carried herself and her uh you know, her, her demeanor back and forth on the podcast. We used a stream yard. Obviously I was here in, in the United States and she was uh, in the Netherlands, but uh, I knew she was going to do well and I, I'm continued success for her. Good luck to her and God bless. Good people. Out, outstanding. She's doing a great job. So folks tomorrow night, again, if we, you weren't listening to the show in the very beginning, Michelle McPhee, she's a great writer. She's written nine novels. She was a daily news crime writer in 2001 during the um, 9-11 attacks. She was uh, the, at the Boston Marathon. She wrote about that for five years, six years. She wrote that book. So it's a little bit of an investigative piece. So she's going to weigh in on the uh, Murdoch case and also the Gabby Petito case tomorrow from the uh, point of view of a writer, of a investigative journalist. And we're thrilled. We're actually thrilled to have her on the show because, you know, we're, we're cops, you know, we're gumshoes, as they would say, they used to call us in the detective squad, gumshoes, you know, that turn. <laughs> That term was for because cops in the old days, they they walked everywhere and they they you know wore out shoes investigating cases. Yeah. Now you wear out your phone because you don't get yeah. out of the squad as much. But that's where that term gumshoe came from. But anyway, so a, a fresh perspective, like from a journalist, it's always uh, welcome. She's seen we have, a lot we have something in common with her too, Bill. I was looking at her bio. She was a freaking frequent guest on ID Discovery, where where you and I both met on. Uh, the Perfect Murder series, which was on the ID Discovery Channel, and uh, she obviously did some uh, some appearances there as well as Amy. She's going to be a, a terrific guest to get into uh, a conversation with. I'm sure she uh, she's got some great uh, resume behind her. Uh, we talked about all of it, but yeah, that's that's going to be good that uh, she was look, on. We, look, she we got a, we got a Mickey Mantle from London. Uh, are you related to the great Mickey Mantle, number seven from the New York Yankees? I love Probably the name. Probably named after I would say. <laughs> Probably, I would think. I would think. Probably parents were big Mickey Mantle fans. I Although the Brits, they don't love baseball. They love soccer no. and they love, oh, they oh, love yeah, rugby. You're right, you're right. That's their number no, one. They're not uh, big sport. baseball fans, but you know that doesn't mean she's not a, a big Yankee fan. You, you, should, you sure could be, you know. Yeah. So uh, you know, as far as the Gabby Petito case, 
we're praying and hoping that uh, Brian Laundrie is apprehended. But there's a lot, you know, there's so many things to do with that case. You know, maybe the FBI and the authorities are not in a big rush to capture him because they're trying to build this case. We don't know. They still have not released yeah. the cause of death from the autopsy. And I don't think they're going to until he's apprehended and maybe they'll hold off on that even even then, you know, that that's one of the things I wanted to discuss uh, further because they still haven't released the body. What is that's a little odd to me. And it's getting as time goes on, it's getting a little more odd. So we'll dig deep into that. Uh, I'm dying to hear her perspective on both of these cases, since obviously both of these cases have so many components and, uh, you know, uh, different twists and turns. So from her perspective, I think it'll be great. You know, Sarah, Claire, Claire. She asked, please share more sayings and slang in your shows. It's I'm cool. going to put a couple real quick. I got a great, I got a good one for her. Cops love the expression hair bag. Yeah, he's yeah. a hair bag. And what that yeah. means, it's usually an old time cop or a young cop that, that just talks out of the side of his mouth, thinks he's, yeah, let me tell you something. But a hair bag came from, and this is how it was explained to me because it was passed down through the ages of copdom, I'll call it. And it was because an old time cop, he would never buy new uniforms because you get the check right before Christmas and they would spend that money on their kids to buy Christmas presents. So after a while, because they didn't buy un new uniforms, the uniforms looked like ha they had hair growing out of them from being frayed and all of that. They get the name hair bag. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It, basically it's a salty cop who's been around a while, like you said, but uh, you know, th there's another term that we use so frequently when we're on the job, a bus. Now, most people, a bus, we, a, a bus, we refer to a bus, it's an ambulance. And a lot of times people would call that, uh, you know, sprained ankle or whatever, and they would want to call an ambulance to take them to the hospital when most people would go with either a, a ride or a car service or something to that effect. So we refer to it as a bus. And uh, there's just so many of them in, 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 uh, in the police world, you know. Uh, a, a house mouse. Yeah, a, a house mouse is, uh, is a cop that stays in the station house and does sweeps up or just does clerical work. They they call that a house mouse. There's different assignments that you don't you don't really leave the police. Uh, oh, we we made another there. one up and we put it in our uh, our levels. It's called the bucket, and the bucket was the person in the precinct that was just did all the bad jobs to try to Not avoid going out on the street. They yeah. would do anything, so we called them the bucket, or they did all the commanding officers. Um, administrative work so they were named the bucket <laughs> how about rack we always talk about the rack Shine, polish my rack. rack that's right the rack that's right comes from the uh the, the the when you have your 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 shield on your chest when you get uh specific medals you're allowed to wear them and there we go there's the rack. there you go there, there's philly's rack right there yep. <laughs> oh, that's, a bunch that, of them. that's the rack there's so many copisms that we'd have to write a book uh, a real quick one from the mob world. Capo did Tutti Capo. That's the boss of bosses. It's a, a Italian uh, uh, phrase for the boss of bosses. But the, I could. I'm looking at some from uh, from the mob world. Uh, a skipper. Good. A skipper is a, is a captain of a family, like the boss of a family. They they refer to him as the skipper. The skipper of the family. Catherine Smith. No house mouse. No, it's not a compliment. But there's many police terms that are not complimentary. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a compliment or derogatory. It's just a term. Yeah, you know, like uh, 
we'll say uh, Smitty. Where, where's Smitty? Oh, that house mouse. He's uh, he's down the basement. He's uh, you know yeah. he's uh, mopping the floor down there or something. It's not really derogatory because there's there was a place for these people. You know, somebody wanted the job, just like a guy that wrote. Uh, that wrote summonses. He was the summons cop. You know, he didn't go out on patrol. He didn't uh, make any arrests. He his job is just to go out and write summonses. So that's for sure. So Philly, we're at uh, thirty five minutes. We yeah. said we were going to keep it between thirty and thirty five minutes tonight, folks. Tomorrow night, Michelle McPhee, great writer, the writer of nine novels. We're going to talk about the Murdoch case and the Gabby Petito case. Nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Again, if you're not subscribed to Police Off the Cuff. On our YouTube, please do so. Hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. Ring my bell, ring my bell. Remember that song? That was like the I old. Know, that was the old that. disco Danny song back in the yeah, day, right? Yeah. So it takes uh, me back to 1980. Like that's that's right. So, folks, on behalf of Bill Cannon and my partner, co-host Phil Grimaldi, have a great night and thank you so much. And we'll see you tomorrow night at nine o'clock. Stay safe, everybody. Great guest tomorrow night. Tune in.